0: Welcome to another episode of the Alone's Geek podcast. Uh, Jake, it's been, what, like two months or something since we sat
1: down and talked? I think so. <laughs> it's, it's been a bit. It's been a busy... The master's degree is almost over. Just a couple more months of this crap. Uh, I might get to look for work. Yeah, This is also when you're probably moving, right? Uh, yeah, this summer. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of probably uh, the wife's already putting in for... <laughs> the uh, are already letting the, um, the school district know that she's leaving, so they need to give her her payout so she can go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, well probably be heading out in July. Thinking about that this morning uh, gave me my,
0: like, other idea... Other topic idea. Uh,
1: I've dispensed with the
0: uh, paper that I used to use where I'd scribble things down because I just lose them and don't pay attention to them anyway. Now they're written on the whiteboard where I can just barely see them. <laughs> but at least you know where that is. Yes. <laughs> if you lose the whiteboard, you've got a problem. Yes, the whiteboard isn't going to move when I move a box or fix a cord or something. So um, a topic we've been putting off for a long time is uh, I can't remember exactly why. I did remember why, what uh, spawned the, the idea, and that was a meme that you posted of,
1: uh, I don't know, it was one of the. It was a Death Watch Space Marine with his pistol shooting up at a Moloch that was yeah. just about to. It was opening its jaws wider than he was. It was just yes. about to swallow him. And the, they
0: were labeled,
1: uh, was it uh, Game Balance and Competitive Players? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the at fair game balance and competitive tournament players <laughs> yeah
0: so um overall topic game balancing and whatnot i guess first we should pick like a subdivision of gaming minis games card games
1: board games video games something like that well i know that One of the issues that I've heard with a lot of people when it comes to game balance, and it applies across all formats, is there's a tendency amongst developers to balance the game according to what the player base might call the top 1%. And it's the the most competitive, the most skilled players, and in a lot of cases this means the tournament players are the ones that decide what balances go into place. But at the same time especially in games that don't even have a tournament scene, that can be really frustrating for the casual player because when every decision that's being made about how the game is balanced is based on somebody who doesn't even play in your bracket, but you have to adhere to the balance for that bracket, it's it's kind of frustrating. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, you may hear in the background the... Cats uh, going berserk because they are locked out of all the bedrooms <laughs> because one of them
1: peed on the bed. <laughs> there was a uh, a big example that popped up in my head of flip side where this can be a good thing is in the first and I think at this point only for honor like publicized tournament. Mm-hmm. There's a move that the raider, uh, one of the Viking main classes, has that. Only got attention from the balance team because the winner abused the crap out of it to win the tournament. Like it was a it was a really embarrassing display of just cheap manipulation, cheap play. Right. That but like that, that that's all anybody talked about it for like the month and a half after the tournament. It wasn't, oh man, the tournament was amazing. It was, can you believe this guy? Can you believe this guy who won, who represents our community, won essentially by cheating? Basically, everybody felt the way that
0: I felt about the first Legend of the Five Rings LCG uh, world champion.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so sometimes it can be nice that we really pay attention to the top 1% because when they do something that otherwise wouldn't get attention, either because most people wouldn't think to do it, or just because the developers can only pay attention to certain areas, it does make it possible to get some things changed that need to be changed.
0: Yeah, and hyper-competitive players do generally find where the problem areas of the game are. Yeah, Things that can be exploited, or where in the case of like card games and minis game rules, uh, where the wording doesn't match the intent. Like last Gen Con, um, the uh, Hawk Tattoo card that the Dragon Clan got was largely responsible for how many people splashed Dragon Clan into their decks because of the wording of the card. And so what it... What I had heard it called a uh, lot was the hawk-poon. Like harpoon, but yeah, yeah hawk. Yeah. Um, because what the hawk tattoo lets you do is it's an attachment card. You play it onto a character. You can uh, move the character that you attached it to into the current conflict. And if they're a monk, you get to take an extra action immediately. Um, well the wording didn't specify that you had to attach it to one of your characters. And so the popular hawkpoon tactic was to play the hawk tattoo onto one of your opponent's characters that you didn't want them to be able to have for a future conflict, one that they had left behind at home. So you drag that character in, and there's not a whole lot of ways to remove your own characters from a conflict once they're in. <laughs> and that was a dog's knees. Um, and so you could effectively use it to overcommit your opponent. And so now the card has been errated to ha- to have the additional text attached to a char- to one of your characters. Because that was not the intent yeah. of it. Uh, Another, (laughs) okay, there's a dog begging for attention because there's a visitor she hasn't seen in months, which is basically (laughs) ever, her dog. I like what I noticed when I picked up the uh, Kill Team Arena expansion was that all of their tournament scenarios that they have, they balanced them the best way they could because... One thing that I I kind of have to remind myself of every now and then is Kill Team was sort of conceptually, when it started, a casual game. Yeah. It wasn't meant for tournament play, and so the scenarios aren't necessarily well balanced, depending on what factions and how your teams are built, Uh, so they can... I would think probably throw the game pretty hard one way or the other if under the right conditions. Yeah. And so, the arena tournament scenarios are symmetrical maps with uh, symmetrical placement of terrain. So
1: everybody has the same cover.
0: exactly the same, and it's down to the players
1: to play it to use it best. That's a fair way to handle it. That'll that makes it a lot easier. Yeah, and I suppose, in a sense, uh, someone
0: who I'm not hugely uh, inclined to agree with a lot of times once described to me uh, all board all uh, miniatures games as essentially being chess, but with a bunch of modifications put on it, and. If you think about chess as a minis game, then it is a perfectly balanced game because everyone has exactly the same stuff. Yeah, Everyone's pieces move and behave and attack and whatnot in exactly the same way. Um, but that gets boring. You wouldn't want to play a minis game where every faction there is
1: Does exactly is just the dressed
0: same differently. So the last thing we said was the symmetrical
1: terrain. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And if every faction was the same, then it would get boring because every faction would just be the same. And you would know exactly what every possible move your opponent could make simply because it's every possible move that you can make. Right. Uh, Which does
0: make competitive play quite a bit easier. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot easier to competitively play chess
1: because you know what to expect. And you can plan... And practice against potential opponents because there's only so many moves and strategies that they can employ. Yeah.
0: Uh, One thing that I was thinking about was uh, War Machine and Hordes and how... uh, Because I... I, After about six months or so of playing the game, I kind of started to not enjoy it anymore, and it occurred to me finally, years later now, what it is about it that I don't like, and it's that it feels like a game that doesn't even want to have casual players. It I is an extremely that. competitive game. Uh, and it has one of my least favorite elements uh, that I've ever seen in a game, which is a, uh, <laughs> it reminds me of the, the Blurns ball episode of, uh, Futurama they did where, uh, there's just randomly at the end of the episode during the final game of the series or whatever. Um, someone hits a ball and there's just a random board out at the like periphery of the uh, stadium. And it has a hole just the size of a ball in it and it says, hit it here to win. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yep. the warlock or warlord in competitive play even in casual play, technically. Uh, You kill your opponent's warlord or
1: warlock, game over. Yeah. You've won. And that's... Like, on the one hand, that encourages you to play your warlock or warcaster really carefully because, you know, that's the linchpin of your army, but at the same time, it means that every game comes down to the same thing. Who can snipe the other guy's boss first?
0: Mm, You'd think. Yeah. But... Uh, from listening to a podcast uh, that is by extremely competitive players, they more often than not win on scenario, on, you know, accruing points from the scenario, and it seems like you often, that's how they win, but they get to that win by threatening assassination. <laughs> Yeah, and then every now and then they'll win on assassination because they like something goes just slightly wrong and then they can't win by points.
1: And and on the one hand, it's nice that there's always a pocket ace. Yeah. It's it's cuz I mean, I know I've played games of like Warhammer 40K where turn 2 you know you're not going to win. Yeah. You know, it's 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 turn 2 out of quote unquote 5 turns <laughs> and you already know the game's over. And so your options are to either quit or tough it out, and then half the time if you quit, you're a bad sport. And if you tough it out, you're wasting everybody's time. So it's kind of a lose-lose double bind there. But you already know two turns into the game that you're gonna lose. What's the point of continuing to play? <laughs> and it's not just from a sportsmanship thing. It was like, oh, I only want to play if I can win. It's a why would I spend five hours playing a game that I lost two hours in? Yeah.
0: I mean, one thing I, I've... Really enjoyed seeing uh, as a competitive play balance measure is what uh, Fantasy Flight Games does with their LCGs. Uh, They started doing it initially with um, Netrunner, and I know they do it for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm not sure if they do it for anything else at this point, but that is the restricted card list. They don't ban anything outright the way that magic has to sometimes, Uh, but they take essentially all the cards that are a little overpowered or that interact with each other in ways that are overpowered, and they put them on the restricted list. And so you're allowed to have the normal number of copies of one card on the restricted list. now, I, with Netrunner, they did eventually have a banned list as well, because there was things that they made that just turned out to be usable
1: in ways that they didn't expect. And uh, so I mean, you can't just, att- anticipate for every possibility. Yeah,
0: well, and there was a uh, pretty huge card library for Netrunner by the time they did that. Yeah. And so I, I like that, because you can still have an extremely powerful card, you just can't. Have it available to do some ridiculous combo. Uh, another amusing sort of game balance uh, that I've seen is Keyforge. I can't remember if we've ever talked about Keyforge.
1: I don't think we have.
0: Um, it's a deck, er, uh, it's a card game. <laughs> uh, they call it a unique deck card game. Um, developed by Richard Garfield, the guy that made Magic. Okay. I knew the name sounded familiar. I have have heard that he has multiple times uh, said that what he regrets most about Magic is that you can't force the players to use all the cards that you make uh, because they will just use the ones that turn out to be best. Yeah. Um, And so (laughs) Keyforge, the decks are pre-constructed by an algorithm and uh, they, they check the decks before they actually print them, but every deck is unique. So you can't buy booster packs for Keyforge. You buy a whole new deck, and there is no deck building. Huh. Uh, uh, even to the point that uh, the backs of the cards in your deck will not match the backs of any cards in anyone else's decks anywhere. And so they've... Uh, There's something like, you know, 300 trillion or something different decks that they can mathematically make using the algorithm. (laughs) And you're not allowed to change anything out. You can't modify the deck. And so it's on the players to just make the best use of the cards that they have, always. Um, Now, there is another... Means by which they're balancing it, uh, and I think they've just finished up their first competitive uh, tournament cycle for KeyForge. And so there's an app that goes along with KeyForge where you can scan your decks in and you log wins and losses. And there's a handful of decks that have performed so well through the competitive series that they did that uh, they are, I think they now start off with a certain number of chains, which is a mechanic in the game that you, some of your cards will occasionally give you. And chains uh, just limit how many cards you can draw. If you take three chains, it's, it's done in increments of six. So one to six chains, you draw one fewer cards every time something would make you draw a card. And then you lose one chain. Okay. And... Uh, you know, what, 7 to 12 chains, you draw 2 fewer cards every time you would draw something, until you you know get back down to 0 chains, and then you get your normal draw back. Um, and that seems to just be the only way that they have
1: of... I mean, obviously they, they, they can't balance it by the cards in the deck since they... Uh. <laughs> Pre-built decks that you can't modify, which I find equal parts like, like, like there's 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 a really cool side to that, and there's a huh yeah it's a very,
0: <laughs> ambitious is the word I think I'm looking for it's a strange concept, and of course this is Richard Garfield. Richard Garfield gets to make magic, but he gets to force you to make to use all the cards. <laughs> no. But uh, I've played it a few times. They actually, at Gen Con, gave out uh, two free decks to everybody that showed up for their little announcement thing that they did on Wednesday. Sweet. And the starter set for the Call of the Archons series, come, it's $40. Comes with two completely random decks. <laughs> and then it also comes with two decks that are... They, they are found in all of the starter sets because they're just the learn to play decks. Okay. So you can't use those two in competitive play, but, it's, but you wouldn't want to. Anyway. It's something to consistently have so you can have a piece of paper teach people how to play the game. <laughs> um, and yeah, the, the decks individually sell for
1: $10 a piece. That's really cool. Yeah. I, mean, I know I've played a lot of card games over the years and. Sometimes the worst part about playing, like sometimes the best part about playing those card games is building the decks. Yes. But sometimes that is the absolute worst part. It can be a super stressful thing. Like, because, especially if you get a large collection.
0: Yeah. Well, and also that some games, all constructed deck games, to some degree, you win or lose based on when you built the deck rather than playing the game. Yeah. But some of them are a lot more geared towards you won or lost when you built your deck. Yeah. like yeah. Um, I feel like Doomtown Reloaded was kind of one of those. But
1: magic yeah. is one that... the Magic, you have to constantly be updating your deck <laughs> yeah. and constantly paying attention to the ever-shifting meta, or you will not be able to play competitively. Yeah.
0: So, that's a, a nice, interesting sort of uh, balance, but also... Just an interesting
1: property in that game. <laughs> yeah, the issue with a lot of balance in a lot of different games, like the 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 struggle that a lot of people have, like a lot of casual players have. Because I'm going to be honest, let's face it, I'm a casual player. I don't play in tournaments. I don't like the tournament scene. I don't get that competitive about anything, really.
0: I, on the other hand, am sort of on the fence. Uh, I can play in tournaments, but I'm terrible <laughs> because I insist on doing my uh, flavorful, distinct thing that's not what everybody else is using,
1: yeah. <laughs> which means it loses. <laughs> because that's the problem with tournament-based balancing in games is we take the thing... like like, like w- 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 What will end up happening is Person A finds out that doing the thing means he wins, which means that everybody starts doing the thing or variations on the thing and yeah. the game becomes just the thing and who can do the thing faster. And eventually you might get to a point where there's three or four things, but when you think about how there's three or four ways to win in a game that literally has hundreds of thousands of cards, but there's three or four ways to actually win. <laughs> yeah, that's a little and I don't mean like three or four victory conditions. I mean three or four collections of cards. <laughs> that end up with you winning. Yeah, and even uh, you know, in uh, minis games in particular,
0: it seems like, the, like Hordes and War Machine is the one that I think of where there's, within a like each faction has let's say War Machine and Hordes, there's two different ways to win, scenario or assassination Right. and within every faction there is a best possible army to approach each of those and if you don't have enough stuff to be able to do that particular setup, then you're going to lose. Or if you're not willing to use some of the stuff because you just have the models that you like, then you're going to
1: (laughs) lose. That was a frustrating thing for me about War Machine and Hordes was when I first got into it, I got into it because of the flavor. I got into it because it looked really cool. It was something different. I've been doing 40k for years. And this was a small, fast-paced game with really characterful models yeah and i love that and then i started playing it and i realized that while it was a small fast-paced game with flavorful models there were only like like you said there's there's two optimal lists and each of those optimal lists only have about 15 percent of the range each which means there's 70 percent of the models in the range that are dead weight yeah and it's just like but this is the model that i like and the problem with that I see a lot in a lot of games when I'm watching like the way the mechanics progress addition to addition or through erratas and FAQs and everything, is a lot of the time the developers will look at that top 5, 10, 1, whatever percentage that you subscribe to, that top percent, they look at that tournament and they see what gets used the most. And there's two ways to handle what gets used the most. Like if, if, if there is a... If there's like you know six models in a faction that get used more than any other model, like, like, like any three models put together, then those six are probably too powerful. So you have two things you can do: you can bring everything else in the faction up to that power level, <laughs> or you can bring that power level down to everything else in the faction, or technically you can bring one down and bring one up and meet in the middle. The problem is a lot of companies either try to bring everything else up to the same level as the new thing, which is where we get Codex Creep. Yes. Because that creates a situation <laughs> where one faction is better than everybody else. Or they just make the thing that's popular even more powerful, because clearly that's what people like. <laughs> and so yeah. if everybody's just going to buy this anyway, let's give them even more reasons to just buy this. Yeah, uh, con- Conflicting
0: uh values of making a good game and making money, but uh, one thing I have seen um, uh, Privateer Press do is the, uh, I think it's called the active duty roster, where they will, for certain series of competitive events for, say, I think it's either six months or three months, Mm -hmm. each faction They has the active duty roster for their faction, which is, I think, three specific warlocks or warcasters, and those are the only ones you're allowed to use for certain tiers of competitive events. And so that kind of changes up things because then you have to approach that uh, perfect build for assassination or scenario victory by using maybe a warlock or warcaster that is not the best for it. Yeah. So that kind of shakes things
1: up, but... But the problem with that is that that means that because of the way War Machine and Hordes are so heavily balanced around their warcasters and warlocks, that means that for each tier of competitive play, there's still only three or four viable lists because you can only use these three warlocks or casters for your faction. You're going to build your whole army around that guy, And if there's one thing I've noticed looking at the games is lists with, say, Coleman Stryker at the head all look a lot alike. (laughs) Yeah. And some of that is faction
0: flavor, but also the fact that three-quarters of the stuff that exists
1: in each faction doesn't get used. Yeah. (laughs) And the stuff that gets used synergizes really well with one or two warlocks. Yeah. And and I'm not... I want to stop right here for just a second i want to say i'm not trying to say that i could do this better i am not trying to say that they are horrible people that suck at their jobs that need to be you know they need to be better because i don't like their game that's not what i'm trying to say I'm, I'm, i understand that it's a really complex process that takes a lot of work And there's a lot of, like, math and crazy stuff that goes into game balance. Yeah. I I get that. It's just really frustrating as a casual player to be forced, if I want to play the game, to play like a tournament player.
0: Yeah, well, and as a semi-competitive player, I really don't like the way it trends into if you see what faction your opponent is using in, say, Legend of the Five Rings or uh, Warhammer or uh, Hordes, that once you get to a serious competitive level, you know what you're going to be playing against.
1: Yeah.
0: Which I don't think is really unavoidable,
1: but I still don't like it. <laughs> It comes back to what you said before, where it get, it it almost gets to the point where it's like chess. It's yeah. not quite as uniform as chess is, but it's not as uniform as you would expect when you look at the model ranges. Rather, it's not as diverse as you would expect when you look at the model ranges. Right. Like
0: the more competitive players I played against at Gen Con last year, I think about half of them didn't know what didn't know what any of the cards in my deck did because I wasn't using the most competitive possible Dragon deck. Yeah. And so they didn't know how to play against those things, which was kind of amusing because it gave me an edge. Yeah. Uh, But it it was also semi-annoying to be constantly saying, no, I'm not using Niten Master. No, I'm not using Miramoto's Fury. Yeah. Well, Um, why not? I I am using uh, Hawk uh, Hawk Tattoo, but I'm not going to use it like that. Well, why not? Well, because that's not the intent of
1: it. <laughs> so I had that problem back when I played Magic a lot. I, I, I built a lot of decks. You know, I, I did what I could. I was a poor high school student. I was a poor college student. I didn't have the money to spend $500 on a deck yeah. to hunt down the exact specific cards I needed to build the perfect deck. So there were a lot of times where I would go to a tournament expecting a casual experience and have to, and spend the whole time being told how my deck was wrong and how I could make my deck so much better uh. if I would just use these cards. And it's just like, I don't have those cards. Well, you can buy them on this website. Yeah, for $25 a piece. No, thank you. It's a piece of cardboard. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that I uh,
0: particularly dislike with competitive play is after you've just lost to them, they want to tell you, what you should have done different, and
1: what cards you should remove or add in. And, you know, I, I don't care. You know, and there's a difference between like when you and I would have a sit down after a game of 40k, where you would point out things that I could could have done better. Yeah. But what you did wasn't. Hey, you need these models in your army, or you're never gonna win. <laughs> it was okay. You remember that thing that you did? That was dumb. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> It was that was a bad use of those models. You would get better use of those models this way, which is a lot more helpful than telling me, oh, no, no, those models suck. You should get these models instead. Yeah. Which is what, unfortunately, a lot of army list advice that I've seen online when I used to run on certain websites, mm-hmm. a lot of the advice that I got was, hey, don't use that weapon option. Use this weapon option that doesn't exist. Okay, so we had a little uh, hiccup there. The hard disk filled up and uh, made rant. (laughs) Yeah, so a lot of the advice that I get is don't use that weapon option. So like, let's say uh, I I, I threw together a Chaos Space Marines list and I had a unit of Chaos Terminators. And I had uh, one combi melta, and an auto cannon and then just bolt guns. Mm-hmm. And then I had a couple power axes, a couple power fists you know, I just I just used the pieces that were in the box. Well the advice that I got from other players wasn't how to make the most use out of the squad that I had already built. It was no 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 those are the wrong weapon options to use for that squad. You need to use these weapon options that don't actually exist in the kit. Or only had one of in the kit. Like, like one person straight up told me, no, 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 don't take one combi melta. They, they all need to have combi meltas, or nobody needs to have combi meltas. And it's just like, there's one combi melta in the box. You expect me to buy five boxes of Chaos Terminators so that I can have one squad of five guys that have combi meltas? You're, you're insane. <laughs> and that's a side effect of that type of game balance, is... People don't, people don't really know how to provide constructive criticism or what would be interpreted as constructive criticism in any other circumstance? Yeah, we uh, gamers in general, uh, especially guy gamers,
0: tend to be pretty bad at... Con- at
1: Actual constructive criticism?
0: <clears throat> yes, at uh, doing anything other than just dumping our opinions at people.
1: <laughs> and... As somebody who likes to learn and likes to play, I would much rather sit down and have a conversation with somebody about what I did wrong. Phrased in a nice way, not, not, you know, like those guys that were at the loft that one time. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But... you know, have a pleasant conversation discussing strategic choices that maybe weren't the best choice given the situation and how I could make the most of the stuff that I have as opposed to, no, 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 you have the wrong stuff. You have bad stuff, and you should feel bad. Yeah. You should get the good stuff. Yeah. So,
0: uh, s- seems like as good a place as any to end it since uh, I don't know when I'll run out of disk space. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you in a month. Bye. Teleporting rats. They put up a little article about the, like the lore of the gnaw holes, like what they are and how they're
1: literally re- chewing through reality. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hmm. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs>